Just like that, the final hour is here for the Monday edition. Hot my with Hutton with Rowe across the Outkick Network. Fast-paced show today, Chad. Hutton, I just looked up. You know what I saw in front of me? A clock. You know what that clock said? What's that? It said that we have one hour left in our show today. It felt like we've been on for 20 minutes. Yep. I hope that's what it feels like for our it viewer will. slash listener. I really hope it feels that way for them as well. Yep. Chat's been great today. Thanks to everyone. Was, Always watch us say, on YouTube. It's been very busy for you during the, during the show can, over here, typing away with your uh, manuscript. You can find us Dossier. on YouTube. Yeah, I, look, you gotta you got to communicate with the people. I don't ever want to leave the people hanging. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube every day. That's if you, if you want a place to find us and see us, we're on YouTube every single day. So go there, check us out, and interact with us on uh, in the chat and smash the like button, the right. thumbs up. What's the very latest with the hit on Travis Hunter, uh, who we know has a a liver issue? He's out the lacerated three, the liver three to four weeks. So Pete Thamel of ESPN tweet spoke to Colorado State Athletic Director Joe Parker about the harassment of defensive back Henry Blackburn, who delivered a controversial late hit on Colorado's Travis Hunter on Saturday. Parker said that Colorado State Police has worked in concert with local authorities to look into the threats, which have included death threats on social media against Blackburn and his family. By the time the game ended on Saturday, Hutton, as you had mentioned, both Henry and his mother's cell phone numbers have been published on the Internet. They've been inundated with threatening calls and texts. Henry's campus address and his family's home address were also published. Quote, we're very concerned about our player's safety as Henry and his family have continued to receive these threats, Parker told ESPN. Quote, Henry never intended to put anyone in harm's way on the football field. It's not the way we teach or coach. We hope that a rational vitriol directed at Henry stops immediately. That from Pete Thamel. Uh, in what has become a pretty serious situation yeah. with Henry Blackburn, the safety from Colorado State. Well, and it, I mean, you've got the... The fan base that is eating and living on every word, on every second of the game and every word during the week on this Colorado team. I've, I've, I've yeah, often, and look, that, that was too much. I, but for uh, the AD to say he didn't mean to put anyone in harm's way. No, I mean, he's taking the hit. He's taking his shot when that, he had it. Well, now, do there, I think that he's trying to lacerate his liver? No. no but he, I mean, do I think that he wanted him in the hospital? No. He wanted to send a message. With a vicious hit on the sideline. And he's not going and at he the took his helmet. Chance. He's not going helmet to helmet. Yeah, he took his and shot. And he's also not just going in with the shoulder to shoulder to right. bump him into the you know the Gatorade cooler either. That that was much more intentional. Yeah, he took his big shot when he had it because he was angry about what they said all week and yeah. what happened pregame and, and everything else. And that's not what he should have done. And But also what should not happen is death threats to him and his mother. Right. That happened when his number gets released. Well, his mother's getting her phone posted on the message boards. Yeah. You know? Uh, Chad, uh, anger, not how I would describe the three fan bases, uh, franchises right now in the NFL because of the play of the quarterback. Other reasons factor into this. But I thought three quarterbacks really saved their teams from the 0-2 start, which now with the extra game added is not as detrimental. But based on the schedules coming up for each and just knowing the division and the outlook and in some cases the swan song season, it kind of felt like you would be trending in the opposite direction. And now there's life. Now there's a survival mentality that you don't necessarily have going into the next week. You feel like you're back on track. Let's start with Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. They were humiliated by the Dallas Cowboys eight days ago. And... We now see Daniel Jones and the Giants 
trailing deep into the game against the Arizona Cardinals. This was supposed to be the get-right game. You know, you you lose 40 to nothing. Well, that's the Giants we're talking about from last year. Barkley's back. He's hurt now. Going into the game, back. Got Jones with the big contract. Uh, all is well with, with Dayball and company. And they end up winning 31-28 in a game where they faced a 21-point deficit and a situation where there's... Uh, very little time remaining in the third quarter, and all of a sudden, the Giants turn it on. They had dropped 150 straight games when trailing by 21 or more points, and they won on the road in Arizona that felt like a home game for the Giants based on the crowd. 31-28. Jones uh, resuscitates the Giants, but also you buy into the fact that, okay, this is more of the guy and the version that everyone bought into financially. He's the first ever quarterback for the Giants with 250 passing yards, 50 rushing yards, and two passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown in a game. And he did all that in the second half. In the second half. They needed him to step up, and he did. And the Giants were facing 0-2, and the loss would have been to the Cardinals as well as the Dallas Cowboys. Saquon Barkley's injury, by the way, one of the reasons that running backs aren't getting paid the way they want because it, it's a it's a position where you're going to get hurt, unfortunately He's now for them. week to week is how yep. it's described, and they play Thursday night in San Francisco. I, Meaning 0-2 I is staring down 0-3, and, and now they go to San Fran, albeit without Saquon. He's uh, reportedly out, according to Ian Rappaport, already for Thursday. And week to week after. It was 57-0, I think, right, was the number before they scored against the Cowboys. And then the – because it was 17 nothing at one point in that game. Or was it 20 to nothing? The Giants were outscored to start the season, I'm saying. Oh, 50 – 57 nothing. 57 nothing. yeah, sorry. To start the season. Crazy. Uh, great bounce back by them. I was blown away watching that first half. I'm watching Red Zone Channel. And Josh Dobbs looks like Josh Dobbs in college – He's steamrolling people into the end zone, running the football at one point. Yeah, uh, crazy start for them for a team. His first that, rushing touchdown. I mean, they're showing some fight early this year, but that is a roster constructed to tank. That is a team constructed roster wise to not do well in the NFL, in a must win situation for the Giants after Week One and what they face next. They got off to a miserable start, but somehow found a way to come uh, back and win it. Awful the first half, Jones. 317 passing yards, three touchdowns, had the rushing one as well, scoreless at halftime, and five consecutive scoring drives he led them on to, to get them to one and one. Uh, next up, Chad, the Tennessee Titans and, and Ryan Tannehill, 180-degree about face and a turn from the performance that we saw in New Orleans for week one, uh, where instead he's 10 of 11 passing on first down instead of putting that offense with their best players in the backfield, uh, putting that offense in a down and distance where they can't run the football in second or third down and long was the opposite against the Chargers. They sent the AFC opponent packing to 0-2, and Tannehill stood in the pocket and delivered. The, the Titans have scored in the fourth quarter since the start of last year three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and he led two touchdown drives yesterday in the fourth, and then, of course, the overtime victory it was a great, a, a, a great confirmation that this is more than just the swan song season for him. Uh, they can actually 
play great defense and not lose it on the offensive end and put up 27 points. They scored 27 points one time a year ago against a team that is known for scoring a ton of points in L.A. The throw to Traylon Burks was, that was great. beautiful. Traveled 62 yards through the air. Dropped it in perfectly. Next-gen stats has that as the longest pass of the season in the NFL through the air for a completion. Great work by Tannehill, who was terrible in week one. Uh, terrific bounce back. And that's just the blueprint for, granted, the offensive line still was not great no. for the Titans, but that is the blueprint for how they're going to succeed. Getting the ball to Derrick Henry, mixing in some play action, deep shots, taking your chances and hitting them when you have mm-hmm. them. They took two big chances, one on a trick play against the Saints, had two opportunities for two touchdowns that Tannehill missed. He hits them in this game, and it's a different outcome. Yeah, and they, they have over 100 yards passing off of play action. He was two of seven passing on play action against New Orleans. Finally, Geno Smith. Uh, this is the Seattle team that I picked to win their division. This, this is the Seattle team that's going to be a contender in the postseason. Well, except for San Francisco. And it didn't look like Seattle was going to be all that running it back the way they performed and outperformed expectations a year ago based on the way they looked to the Rams in week one. Now they go to Detroit. And Seattle goes in and wins, speaking of overtime, uh, with Geno Smith stepping up when it mattered. He took a 17-yard sack in the fourth quarter, and he made up for it uh, in dramatic fashion, where he leads the scoring drive, throwing the touchdown to Tyler Lockett in the walk-off. That, this is much needed, and it's more than just one victory. It's a win in the conference that could come down to a tiebreaker situation for being able to be a seed ahead of the team they just faced. And last year, this was a game that was extremely high scoring, and we see more scoring in this one uh, with the way that it played out in OT. This was also so painfully Honolulu Blue Detroit Lions football. Mm. They come home after beating the defending Super Bowl champions in dramatic fashion in front of all of America based on the ratings. They honor Barry Sanders at home. They have him there pregame. Statue. Stage is set. Seattle loses at home to the Rams in week one. You're a favorite. You can get to 2-0, get a big NFC win. They get a lead in that game early on, and they fall flat on their faces. Painful. I am rooting for this Lions team to finally do something, and that was a painful, painful loss. And reminder to Lions fans everywhere – you're still the Detroit Lions. All of that glee, all of that joy, all of the high hopes in week one, you come crashing back to earth in week two. Still a good team. Still, obviously, everything in front of them. They're, but yeah. what a reality check moment to come home and lose in overtime to Geno Smith and the Seahawks after going on the road and beating the Chiefs in week one. Well, the, the, the Seahawks got off the bus, and then the postgame, in the locker room, they were wearing the ski masks and stuff. Yeah, you know, they, they had a mentality to Trolling it. the Lions. Yeah, but a mentality to go in and just uh, do the opposite of the way they played the Rams. And, and they did so. Uh, I, I thought they were doomed, though, with the 17-yard sack that uh, Geno Smith took in the fourth. Pete oh, Carroll, by hey, the way, remains the most youthful 72-year-old it's man amazing. on the planet. That dude is just, he's playing hopscotch over there. 
hopping it's, around, sprinting around. He is very energetic. Hey, and by the way, Lions fans are pissed off too in overtime because again, they, they didn't get the football. It's a walk off. They missed uh, a bad hold. The hold on Aiden Hutchinson, and the, the quote from Dan Campbell: "We knew that the crew. This was the crew that normally calls a lot of penalties. <laughs> to me, it should have never come down to that. So I'm not going to use that as an excuse. <laughs> but the answer, he, I mean, they've got the book of the officials, and they let it roll." Here's my here's my standard for holding penalties that should be called. When everyone is watching it on TV and you can see it and you can call it and you're not there and you're not right in the action, the, the holding should be called. Yeah, they need that to, was one that you watch in real time, and it was clear. There was I a wrap-up around the, the collarbone of Aiden Hutchinson. He was restricted when he got away from the offensive lineman. Holding should have been called. Think, I'm with Dan Campbell on they that. They are asked, to, uh, the officials, and I'm not taking up with it, the line of scrimmage uh, officiating needs to be better, but the officials at the line of scrimmage are asked to watch everything, different things. They're, now, they're protecting the quarterback after he releases the football. Uh, the umpire is looking for different things based on the play clock than the snap. So, I mean, are the calls going to be missed? Yes. Is it obvious? Yes. It was a hold. But... Yeah, I mean, to Campbell's credit, you have other opportunities to make up for it in this game. Yeah, it's always going to be looking like you're crying when you're yelling hold on an offensive lineman when you're a fan or the coach. But sometimes, it, it I old. mean, it's it's got to be called. Hey, it, Again, like when it's the, so obvious that you can see it just plain as day, or especially when the crowd immediately gasps when they see a, a hold, a takedown happen. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta reach for the flag. The one that Vince McMahon on would have a three count on in uh, yes. WWE. When it's WWE worthy, you gotta throw the flag. Yeah, looking for the people's elbow instead of the, you know, the flag. Um, the other penalty, well, not a penalty, but the overturn. I don't know. It, it, last night, I don't know why Collinsworth uh, didn't see the knee down in the spot where they have the lateral with the offensive lineman for New England that was barely short of the line to gain. In real time, they let it play out. There wasn't a, a whistle for a, you know, we're going to stop the the play and, and blow it dead. They just automatically reviewed it to see if he had, you know, reached the, the, the line to gain. And his knee's down, and you can see on the broadcast with the camera pointing right down the line that he's short, barely. But Collins was like, do you really, you know, do you really have to call it, you know, and say, you know, I'm thinking, man, it, if, if it's about getting it right and like they got it right and the the even post game he's discussing this my only bit of frustration is I see it so many times where that is just seen as inconclusive you know that it'll stand not well, be confirmed because it's it's inconclusive like I I agree that it John looked Perry. like he was a little bit short but all too often and maybe this is me watching a lot of college football I see things that are obvious upon review that they come back and well, say, the call in the field stands. And we had seen things from the NFL where the the booth analysts, the official analysts, are the, the experts are getting it wrong based on their opinion uh, and, and their knowledge of how, they, how New York, how the NFL is going to rule on this review. In this case, Perry's saying that on the broadcast. Collinsworth's like, yeah, but is it is it definitive and define definitive? I'm thinking... You can see his knee and what they're looking at. The ball is, if he reaches the ball out, I mean, he's a lineman. He's holding it at the, the, the at his numbers, which is 69. And the knee hits, and he's he's barely short. What I've loved to see 
the, the Patriots have another chance at it? Sure. I mean, it would be great finish. I hate that it ended that way uh, with the, you know, very anticlimactic, but I mean, he was short. The, the heads got up right. play. The heads up play was not blowing the play dead and just I mean, saying, like, the well, whistle blew, sorry. At least they looked at it. By the players was great. Like, just, you uh, cannot go down. You know you're short. Pitching it back, that was fun to watch. Uh, Tua, perfect against Belichick. And how about Lamar Jackson? He is 7-1 and one against Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. More NFL next. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We highly recommend it. Our studio location, Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Hutton, I have discovered something here at Sixth and Peabody that I absolutely adore. Okay. Peach whiskey. Okay. I haven't tried that. And they have a peach whiskey here, like a peach moonshine whiskey. I just had two, in fact. <laughs> no. I wish. Um, you just discovered it literally really seconds yeah. ago. <laughs> I discovered it on my walk back from the bathroom, actually. I want to thank Alan here at the Shot Bar, who Shout just handed Alan. one to me. Uh, no. But now you've got me thinking I should have done that. Really an opportunity missed. Like so many teams over the weekend that can claim opportunity missed, I feel like I missed the opportunity of grabbing a shot on the way back from the bathroom. Chad, there is a bar right outside of our studio. Is. Sometimes we can hear them. Sometimes not. Fridays, uh, we can definitely hear them. Well, we have the chance to hop on the bus or jump off the bus uh, with some questions that uh, and some scenarios that Davey Hudson throws our way right now. All right, guys. So on the bus, off the bus, we're going to go out to L.A. for the first stop. Now, the question, it, well, it's not really the question. The statement is you're either on or you're off the bus, but this is Brandon Staley's last year as the Chargers head coach. Oh, I'm on the, I'm on the bus for this. Uh, this is what they've done defensively and what they're allowing. Um, it's malpractice given the, the talent on that roster. This is an extremely talented roster outside of Herbert. And then you throw in that you have a, a generational quarterback uh, that is uh, among the best in the league right now. And yeah, well, they were 2 of 14 on third down yesterday. Uh, they were excellent on third down a week ago, and they still couldn't win. They bring in a new play caller and Kellen Moore. Awful. And so is the, the, the coaching here defensively, because honestly, that is where they are really lacking for an offense that is routinely putting up points. It's, uh, it's, to me, it's obvious, Chad. I'm on the bus with this. Um, if we may, can we scroll through those photos of one Brandon Staley again, please, as we go? Because I just want to point out, this guy looks terrific. Um, the beard looks great. It's not even like a full beard, sort of the growth on his face. A huh? little bit of white in the beard. Very thin. Good vascularity on his arms. It seems like he's a very in-shape guy. Um, I'm glad that he's looking better this year because his coaching has not improved at all. I am on the bus. I would get on any bus if I was a Chargers fan and put him on it with me and get him the hell out of L.A. and away from the, that team. They, they are not going anywhere. They're about to be 0-3 after this week, and I am on the bus that this is Brandon Staley's 
last year as a head coach of the Chargers. He'll get a D.C. job somewhere after this, but he's done so, as a head coach. So you're taking you're on the bus with the Vikings. That's their next opponent, Minnesota. Yeah, I think week. the Vikings are getting their first win. So The battle of 0-2s, the Vikings and the Chargers. I think Vikings win it. Yeah, uh, making the playoffs after starting 0-2 has not boded well for the last three years. There's only been one team to do it, and that's the 2022 Bengals. But, guys, we're going to stay in L.A., and speaking of which, with Brandon Staley getting him out of L.A., uh, I, I'm with you. I would move on from him as the Chargers head coach, but uh, he could go back to being the D.C. for the Rams, which is where we're going. I didn't create a gra- have Justine create a graphic for this because like, I didn't want to go from one side of SoFi Stadium to the other side in the bus. Yeah. But uh, – Asked this question last week. I'm going to ask it again after another incredible performance. Puka Nakua will win Offensive Rookie of the Year. No, he's not. I think Bijan Robinson is because I think that he is going to be a more prominent part of the offense for the entirety of the year. I may be wrong. Uh, Nakua looks terrific, and he's clearly a focal point while he's in this spot. Um, but I, I think it's going to be, if I had to put my money on one player or the other, I'm going Bijan Robinson, who, by the way, Picked up an enormous and ballsy fourth down call mm-hmm. by Arthur Smith in that game. Instead of kicking a 41-yard field goal with over three minutes left, they go for it on fourth and short, and they pitch it out to B. John Robinson, who gets seven yards. They milk more clock. And then they kick Then it. kick the game-winning field goal, giving the Packers less than one minute. I picked that Falcons team to win that division. Same. I like that pick through two weeks. I, give me Bijan Robinson over. I'm off the bus with Nak, even though he's Naku has been terrific. Yeah, I, I'm I'm I remain off uh, on this because um, look, two games in, we've seen him play well. We've also seen two games in, he's left the game due to injury, uh, and he's been banged up. And that's Anthony Richardson. Right now, uh, the nod goes to him, in my opinion, and it's because of the position he plays more than anything else. Bijan's a good, uh, I think, uh, side note. But with the three rookies, those guys are going to dominate. And I think Richardson right now is playing better than any of them. Although we've only seen Bryce Young play one game. We get to see him tonight. All right, guys. And uh, we're going to take our next stop, and we're going to Boulder, Colorado, the epicenter of all things college football at the moment. But Dion in Colorado will start 4-0. I, I am, I'm hesitating to be so fast to answer this. Okay. Um, what was your fast inclination? Because uh, I have a very just, fast one. Ju- well, that's, I was very fast about their start, too. They're going to be 0-2 and 2 and yeah. blowout losses. Uh, I'm off the bus with this that Dion and Colorado will be 4-0. I'm just saying, like, I acknowledge that I'm doing it again. I am saying, oh, they're not going to TCU and winning. They're going to get boat raced. They're going to get housed. That was a... That was a a broad lake and valley of a spread there too. And now they head to Oregon and, you know, they'll find a way to make it personal with Dan Lanning. Well, a big difference in that TCU win was they had a guy by the name of Travis Hunter who was going to be mm-hmm. out for these next two games, one of them on the road in Oregon. Um, hey, Dion, if you ask me the question, I will say I am now a believer in what you're doing at Colorado and you're better than I expected in year one. But that Colorado team I saw on Saturday night was the Colorado team I expected coming into this season. One that would probably need to come from behind to beat Colorado State at home. Now, I thought they'd be 0-3 after that game, or 1-2. I thought they might beat Colorado State in the close and be 1-2. They're 3-0. and Props to Coach Prime. Props to that roster. Props to everything about that program. They're not going to Eugene 
and winning. And they're not beating USC, especially I don't think so without Travis Hunter. So I am off the bus on them being 4-0. I, I think they're going to be, by the end of these next two games, they're going to be 3-2, and but they're losing Saturday in Eugene. But, Davey, uh, it's not just Travis Hunter that they do have Shadur Sanders. So I like it. That's that's also what I wasn't taking into account against TCU. So I I, I don't want to be like um, don't don't be bother. I I do think there'll be there'll be another reason to be like man they surprised us because every week there's been something different. Given my inability to pick games, Hutton, I just assured the Buffs well, I, win now I'm with Eugene I, by saying something yeah, so I, pronounced. They're not going to be four and zero, but I think we leave thinking ah, this a little little bit better than what we expected. Buffs currently, yeah, 21 points. Like Colorado point dog. State right now. Yeah, so. they cover. I, I would Last take, week it was 14 and a half. I would take Colorado to cover the 21, right? Is that what it is, Davey, 21? As of right now, yes. I would take Colorado to cover the 21, but I do not think they're going to win. Well, just just last week, if you wanted to bet Oregon or Colorado in this matchup last Wednesday, you could. And it was 14 and a half. And it's, you see where the money's turning. But last week, Vegas said, based on the two games they watched, they would have only put that at 14 and a half. And now the touchdown difference is the way they performed against Colorado State mixed with the loss of Travis Hunter was a touchdown but difference. But Shador has other options to score touchdowns. But you're saying no. Just I'm not, like me. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not saying like Travis Hunter is seven points on a spread for them. No, I think, again, the combination of both. They looked bad against Colorado State. They were a 23-point favorite, and they had to come from behind to win. And Travis Hunter out. Oregon, Oregon wasn't great I, against hey, Baylor. I think it's more like 14 to 17. So I'm think I'm picking them to cover the 21, but lose. Wrong team favored. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need a I need a wrong team favored. I, I actually know I've got one. one. Yeah, I've got you, one. You better I select first. Yeah. All right, guys, we're gonna keep on trucking. We're gonna head to Houston. You might be asking what's down in Houston right now. Well, that's where NRG Stadium is, and that's where the national championship will be taking place this year. And are you on the bus, off the bus, an SEC team will win the college football playoff? I'll start with this one. I'm off the bus. Um, I think the SEC is a good conference still. I mean, I, I'm not going to say they're the, the dregs of Power Five or anything, but the days of the SEC being really top-heavy where you've got three to four teams at the top from a talent perspective of being elite and challenging for a national title, for this season alone – is not there. Alabama, down based on expectation. Georgia, don't really know yet. I'm not counting them out. But at least for a half, looks like they're not going to be quite the same Georgia team right. against South Carolina at home as a 28-point favorite. LSU, maybe, if they continue to look like they did on the road in Starkville on Saturday. But Hutton, I just don't see it. I think the Pac-12 is a better league at the top this year. I think... The Big Ten at the very top with Ohio State, Michigan, maybe Penn State, probably better. I'm off the bus with the SEC winning another national title this year. I am off on winning the title. I I am – I can talk myself into LSU still. I can talk myself into Georgia. Uh, I had to see it to believe it with Georgia whenever they won two years ago Uh, because we saw them lose in the conference championship game. Yep. But the difference is, Davey, why I'm off the bus this year. I, I think the SEC is getting one team in. They're not. You're not losing the SEC championship game and getting in. Uh, and that was the year we saw Georgia and Bama both get in based on what the Crimson Tide did in that game in the in Atlanta. Uh, I 
I don't. I think the committee is going to value conference championship games and wins much more, just based on the weight of how things are evened out and opponent distribution and what we've seen so far, and the fact that the SEC ends up eating their own, and more so this year because I think some teams see Alabama and Georgia for the taking. Okay. Uh, since 2006, 13 SEC teams have won a national championship. But guys, we're going to go to the end of the line. Speaking of one of those teams that has won a lot of those championships, we're going to go to Tuscaloosa. And are you on the bus or off the bus for Saban will never make the college football playoff again? One more quick point about that SEC deal. I'm not going all Danny Cannell here and right, you know right. declaring the conference dead No, the way he's been doing on Twitter about everything going on. I'm just – I have two eyes, and I watch a lot of college football. The SEC is not the same as they've been in recent years. It's going to be a very fun and surprising league. All year, we're going to see a lot of head scratchers throughout the season. It's going to make for an exciting season because there's a lot of teams in the mix that are sort of the same, mm-hmm. talent wise and play wise, but they're not going to win the national title. So that's why I'm off the bus. Got to play a little. Got to play a little defense though with some of the. Uh, I mean, USC. USC can win their can win their conference, uh, but you know, Ole Miss right now is top five in points scored. Yeah, you know, perception big of test off- this weekend. You, oh, no doubt, but. Uh, for that offense. When we, Davey's asking because if you see the SEC team matched up against the Pac-12 in the playoff this year, yeah, defense plays a factor in that. It's funny. It's a big opportunity for the Ole Miss defense to shine against Alabama, but tough challenge for the offense. Yes. All yep. right, Nick Saban will never make the playoffs again. I'm on the bus of that being the case. I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, the dynasty's over forever, this and that. I, I just see a guy who's different. I, I don't. I take what Glenn Gilbo wrote with his friend saying that, and while that's not necessarily definitive, put your name on it. I do see a difference in Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Hud. I, I see a difference in Nick Saban, and I see a guy who's a lot closer to stepping away than he is rallying the troops and coming back a year from now and getting back to a college football playoff. It, it is worth noting next year we expanded 12 teams. Yeah, but Chad's on board with the, the differences. He could totally see him on game day. Uh, I could totally it, see him stepping away. If he's stepping away from coaching, I want to see him in a leadership role for college athletics, specifically college football. I'd like to see that. Uh, I'm off the bus, though, on this because I don't think he's stepping away from coaching. Nick Saban isn't going to in a year where he's flippantly deciding he's going to step away in the middle of the season, setting up a team to look this dysfunctional, specifically at the quarterback position and offensive coordinator, and a team that, on offense, I can't point to the leader that's rallying anything right now. That's just not a Saban-led team that is going to be the lasting impression. Um, yes, they're going to make the college football playoff again because we're expanding to 12 and probably 16 eventually. All right, guys. I guess that concludes this bus ride. I, don't, I, I didn't even think of a sign-off for this one, so I, I like don't know. The, uh, sort right of back to you. Indiana Jones-esque yeah, it's good. red line between the, the locales. I like that. That was always an exciting part of the films when Indy was that in flight. added that in, I believe. Or traveling. Right? Yeah. Your I suggestion? Yeah, thanks for Justine for helping make that come Justine does a great job. Um, yeah, I, I just – something different about Nick Saban. He's, like, he's nicer. He's cuddlier. Is he? This year. He's a little, he's a little, he's a little more cuddly. That's to, the way I would local, describe <laughs> Nick Saban. To the locals? He came in and apologized to, to a guy after answering a question the wrong way. Okay, well. I say the wrong way, but he said, I, I, should, I should apologize. Your question was fine, and this is how I should have answered it. He opened a press conference doing that. I, I don't think Saban's ever lost 
two two assistants in the same season. He's got the opportunity to do that on Saturday. I don't. So he's only lost to three total now, right? Well, Jimbo three Fisher, losses. Jimbo and, Fisher, and Kirby Sarkeesian. Smart, and now Sarkeesian. Oh, That's fi- it. Yeah, Fisher too. Those yeah. are the only three proteges that he's lost to. You think Kiffin gets it done? We were two years early on the the we'll tour. We'll have to of, wait for wrong team favored coming yeah. up later in the week to find out. Is if Kiffin one of showing up for Joey Freshwater in Tuscaloosa? That's really what I want to know. We'll discuss Monday Night Football next. Wrapping up what's been a fast show on this Monday edition. Hope it's been that way for you uh, through your workday. Hot Mike with Dutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, it happened to me just like it happened to Davey Hudson recently. Walked in on someone in a uh, single single uh, toilet uh, restroom. Oh. Didn't lock the door? Didn't lock the door. Looked up at me and said, excuse me. As if it's my fault. Did you like walk all the way in? Were you kind of like looking at your no, phone as you know. opened? Or? I was. And then, I, you know, you just tested to see if it's locked. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't locked. That's the worst. Like you're not, re- you know, the, the person sitting there is on their phone and you're on your phone. No, they, so you they, open up the unlocked door and you get all the way in before someone says, excuse me. <laughs> you're like, oh, we're not doing this together. Well, this, this was uh, this was someone that was sitting there just staring at the door as I walked in, not even thought, looking at their phone. I thought this was a two seater. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I might have had one that up, one upped it on Saturday. This little fat kid. There maybe, was a two seater. No, no, no. He, he's maybe ten. I, I don't know which. Anything I, I dis- that starts with this little more. fat kid is yeah. going to be good. He decided like he barely beat me to the one stall at this restaurant, and obviously he locked, he locked the door. Didn't have to worry about that. But also, I mean, so he goes in there, and I'm thinking, all you right, the, 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 the big Tennessee Florida game's on. Everyone, there starts to be a line. This kid takes ten minutes, and I mean, when I say that thing reeked afterwards, it was yeah. awful. I was like, come on, kid. What's this kid eating? <laughs> what are they feeding this kid? That's what Davey had to say after that. He walked experience. out and he looked like the kid from Matilda that just like finished eating like uh, like he was going to get sick, man. It was awful. You can't eat fast food for every meal, buddy. That's funny. Says who? I uh, uh, coached a softball game in just an absolute downpour on Saturday. Once again, feel like a grizzled vet out there. Had what? to explain to my, my players um, – you know, it's. Would you have done it had the in-laws not been in town? Oh yeah, I mean, we had oh. to play. I had parents coming oh, up to me saying, "Oh, it wasn't called. It was." No, yeah, oh. the parents coming up going, "Coach Chad, are we playing this game? And or is this not called?" And I'm like, "I can't cancel the game. Like, we go until the league says leave the field." And I'm like, "I think they're basically." I love how people are blaming you. For yeah, that. like Coach Chad, what what are you going to do about this? You're going to stand for this atrocity. <laughs> It's like, I don't know. Are you not on our side here? Oh, please, let me go coach your kid uh, again yeah. in the rain. I, I'm the one standing on the mound in the rain, throwing in the mud the entire time. So, Chad, uh, we get to see two games tonight. I know you're only on, you only, you're, you're for one only on Monday night. Can I say one other thing before we get to this? Oh, yeah. Those Patriots uniforms last night oh. are beautiful. Just breathtaking. They're going to be some great throwbacks. Beautiful. That uniform along with the Denver Broncos orange crush of the 80s with John Elway, are two uniforms that should have never gone away. The replacements for both are far inferior. Both the Broncos uniform scheme 
and the Patriots, the reason that they stuck with the new uniform is because both teams went to the new uniform. What they do, Hutton? They started going to and winning Super Bowls when they made the change. So they'll never go back to them. But if you were standing on ceremony with the better uniform and the better-looking uniform, the old-school Patriots with the they, Revolutionary War soldier they also went snapping to the ball. And then, yeah. But, they, but even before that, the Drew Bledsoe 96 mm-hmm. Patriots had sort of that scheme. Yeah, yeah. So they, they went to the Super Bowl, then they started winning Super Bowls. The Broncos immediately won two Super Bowls when making the switch. So they're not going back. But those are better uniforms. You've also got Tampa's. Tampa will be Just bringing out the, out the creamsicle. The, the, let's see, the other good throwbacks, the Titans have one with the Oilers. Yeah, the, the, that's really it's good. It's the helmets, though, that make it because you couldn't wear a different style or different color helmet based on NFL policy. And now you can. And I'll say it again. Not only was the Bears play atrocious, those orange jersey, orange helmet uniforms are awful. And, and wearing them in Tampa was such an odd decision. A place where they have orange uniforms occasionally. I just thought the whole thing was I guess bad. they knew that they weren't wearing theirs. Well, of game. course, yeah. They, knew that. they couldn't games. go orange on orange. But I'm you saying, get one road and one away. You understand or, the confusion. One away, one home, I'm saying, that right. you get to wear. When you go to Tampa and they're, you know, it's a team that might wear orange occasionally in the stadium yeah. and fans might be wearing orange, wear your blue uniforms if they're going to go white. The Bears are a uniform and a helmet that they shouldn't mess with. It's not. I know why they do it to sell more merch. Well, this this just looks like more of a, a Browns version to me. I, I hate it, and I think Browns are going all white tonight, which I also hate. Oh, I think that one looks all good. The things that I, I think hate that about one's uniforms. Good. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like the, the traditional Browns, Browns uniform better. Uh, Browns, uh, they are the, the second kickoff. We'll have a dual games tonight. One on on ESPN, and then ABC will have. Um, Steelers and, and Browns. Uh, points bet is where you can go to keep up with uh, both of these games uh, to make sure you have some interest in both and flipping back and forth. If you haven't taken your shot with points bet, now's the perfect moment. The reason why it's exclusive for first time points bet users. Grab this unique offer right now. New points bet users can get up to $1,000 in second chance bets. If your first bet doesn't go as planned, points bet has your back with a second chance. Grab this offer by visiting outkick.com slash bet. You complete the registration process with points bet and make your first bet. If your bet happens to lose, that's when the second chance bet comes into play. Remember, terms and conditions apply. you got to be 21 or older in legal gambling states. Gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. Head over to outkick.com slash bet to snag this offer. Chad, what, are you, uh, what do you like tonight in our Monday Night Football doubleheader picks for outkick.com slash bet? Hutton, I am... Um... I'm going to go with some some touchdown uh, bets here on on this. Okay. And well, I know you were talking about Nick Chubb I, at one yeah, point. Yeah, I'm going Nick Chubb anytime touchdowns plus. Well, I was looking for the exact odds plus 100. Um, I think he's going to score a touchdown for the Browns, and I'm going to go Rashid Shahid yeah. first touchdown of the game plus 1300. I think the Saints are going to get their explosive playmaker, their speed guy, the ball early. And I'm going to take a flyer on him scoring the first touchdown of the game tonight. And uh, that's you have some, you put some money down on that. You're going to win some big time cash. Plus right? 1300. Yes, um, I'm going with just receivers and, and yardage. Uh, Jawan Johnson in the first kickoff, which is coming up shortly uh, for the Saints. It's what over 29, 30 and a half, I believe, is is the number I have it. I don't know if that's gone up or down. Uh, and then there's uh, Allen Robinson for the Steelers, who 
I just I I have a hard time believing that and by the way, both defenses, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, are great. I have a hard time believing though Kenny Pickett's going to be as inept as we saw in week one compared to what we see tonight, especially Mike Tomlin as the coach getting things back on track. May not win, but back on track. And Pickett's going to spin it. And he has multiple receivers to do so. Robinson, though, the talk with him has been about, I want to be the guy that I was in Chicago, not out west. Okay. Well, welcome to Pittsburgh. We haven't talked about him in a while because he's been forgotten about after joining the Rams. Now's his moment. He did Monday nothing. Night. Monday night, prime time. Let's go. He did nothing. Take the over. It's like 52 yards, I believe. He did nothing in L.A. And uh, who else? Another group that did nothing were the Steelers in week one. That's right. That was a no-show. On uh, both sides of the ball. Yep. Secondary should be much better than what we saw. Brock Purdy continues to spin it. On the list of teams that Remains are, unbeaten as the starter. I'm trying to think of the teams on, on the list of Regular teams season. that look to be much better than I expected coming into the season. Rams and Bucks both rank very high on that list. Yes. So far. I'll put the Browns in that category, but it's tough to know because of Burrow and his injury. And now you got Zach Taylor saying he doesn't even know he's going to play because he's so sore with the calf. So, well, so I, I'm so, not sure how yeah. much that's just Joe Burrow being hurt and playing hurt when you look at what the Browns no, were able to do in week one. No, you're right. And and Sorry, Tyler. Oh, uh, By the way, too, uh, you mentioned the Browns. A big chance here because Baltimore is also 2-0. And Cleveland's high ceiling, low floor across the league in terms of expectations for me. They have a legitimate chance to be very good. Yeah. Watson's got to be that guy, of course. Jim Schwartz now calling the defensive plays, wide nine, pass rush, uh, playing a different technique than what we saw from Woods, uh, Joe Woods. And it should pay off where you put your guys on an island like Miles Garrett and just let him go. And that helps everyone else, but it also uh, allows for more aggressive play from the secondary and, quite frankly, maybe smarter play uh, from the back group. So I... This is a big chance and opportunity for Cleveland to keep pace. And it's also, I think this would be detrimental for Pittsburgh because well, you, you would be staring up at two different teams that are, remain unbeaten. Meanwhile, you're two games back. Well, and look, in a four-team super division where everyone has high expectations and you think it's going to be really good, odds are one of the teams, they're not going to be any good. They're going to be a lot worse than you expect. Right now, that looks to be Cincinnati or Pittsburgh in that division. And my money, honestly, is on Cincinnati simply because of the health of Joe Burrow. Well, and that's the, it's they're confusing the disappointment that right they now. rushed him back. If that's the case, uh, Doctor Chow, you know, there's set. I, I think us, they like, saw two games in division in the first two games and thought, if you can go, and he said I can go, let's go, even if you're a little bit sore because we got to get one of these two. And now they're zero and two, and he's getting worse. Yeah, he's and he's, he's hurting worse, and now suddenly he's not going to play. For the for his career, Joe Burrow is one and seven in the first two games of the year. One and seven for his career through the first two weeks. Twelve touchdowns, nine interceptions. Is a stat line. Yeah, so this is not unusual, but it's unusual because, well, this is unusual for the recent the recent year and a half of. Joe Cool. I just hope he didn't rush back and it actually, you know, 
made things worse than what it could have been if you just wait an extra week or two, if that's all it was. And uh, Jamar Chase is saying that during training camp. They're in for a long year. Uh, if they, they have no really great backup option. Trevor Simeon was battled for that during uh, training camp. Chad, uh, something else that uh, we were discussing during training camp is uh, a grievance that the NFL has filed against the NFLPA. And it's in regards to the NFLPA and comments made by their player rep, J.C. Treader, on, it was at the Ross Tucker podcast, I believe he was yeah. on, where during the, the drama that was, you know, poor timing by the running backs, hopping on a Zoom call after a deadline where uh, franchise tag players could sign an extension and negotiate a contract, um, Treader went on and mentioned and implied about exaggerating injuries. If the guys don't get paid, maybe they just, you know, all of a sudden they have an issue. I, I'm paraphrasing what he said there, but that's what the NFL is, is filing this grievance over, uh, that the union advised running backs to, quote, consider feigning or exaggerating injuries to gain leverage in contract talks and seeking an order for the union to cease and desist from such improper conduct. This is just making it public. This is also the Monday after video surfaces of Jonathan Taylor running around. So see that as you will. But the, that's the Colts that also didn't trade him and put him on PUP. They could have put him on the non-football injury list. At least they threatened that publicly too. It's very serious when, if you're J.C. Treader, you throw this out there because the most important thing, not just the NFL, but to all sports, the integrity of the sport do no harm. There can be no impropriety when it comes to gambling or anything like that. There can be no impropriety with officiating with the games, no ill intent. And I think that carries over to any thought of a player faking an injury to stay out of a game because of a contract dispute or to collect money without working and playing yeah. in games. And he said that is, that is a violation of do no harm and it strikes at the core of the integrity of a sport. Here's the exact And the quote. NFL is right for being pissed about this. I think we see the issues now. This is back July 19th is when Treader said this. He's the player executive for the NFLPA. Um, I think we've seen issues now. I don't think anybody would say that they, they were fake injuries, but we've seen players who didn't want to be where they currently are. I have injuries that made them, uh, made them unable to practice or play, but you're not going to be able to get fined, and you're not going to be able to get punished. And he goes on to say... There are issues like that. I don't think I'm allowed to ever recommend that, at least publicly. But I think each player needs to find a way to build up leverage to try to get a fair deal. And that's what really all these guys are looking for, is to be compensated fairly. So he's saying, like, at least publicly, he can't say that. Well, dumb. Yep, not good. Also, it's uh, September 18th. He said this on July 19th, and we're just getting this grievance filed. No grievances tomorrow. Four headlines on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow.